Hey everybody, Dave DeBow back with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in from Cape Cod, Massachusetts, if I'm not mistaken, Candace Crawford, who is a real estate investor who is transitioning from small deals into big deals. We're going to be diving into that, why she's doing that, and what she's doing to grow her portfolio. So Candace, welcome to the call. Great to have you. Oh, thank you so much, Dave. This is an honor. Well, it's my pleasure as well. So let's let's just jump in. And for the benefit of the listeners, tell us a little bit about your real estate investing journey and where you are at today. Tell us a little bit about your real estate investing business. All right. Well, I didn't get into seeing my real estate investing as a business until like 2019 mm -hmm. before it was just basically, you know, the, like the American dream, I, you know, built my own home and that in the process of doing that, it got me to seeing like, Oh, I kind of like this. This is fun. You like so the hands-on, you like the hands-on. Oh, yeah. Kind of I have, I, I, you know, I physically built my house. So I have my contractor's license wow. and it was in between choosing whether I wanted to be a builder, or if I wanted to continue doing landscaping. Honestly, I like being outside. So I chose being a landscaper because indoors is where you are when you're a builder for the most part, unless you're on the roof of the house or doing the right. siding. And then yeah, the rest is inside. And I just, I liked, I liked being outside. So I chose that instead. But throughout my journey, I mean, I'm, I'm still doing that. I've been doing that for 30 years. But without, with that journey, I, I kept having this like, itch like I really like this real estate thing so I would do it as a hobby okay. and I would buy a house fix it up rent it a little bit kind of get bored and then you know everything was going well and then sell it so, so it's then, kind of a long a long-term flip you'd you'd, yes. you'd buy it you kind of burr it you'd renovate it you'd get it rented out maybe refinance it maybe not but then sell it a few late years later when you got bored with it exactly and then, um, then came the world of podcasts. Ironically, here we are. And I love listening to audiobooks or podcasts while I'm working all day long. And I started listening to real estate investing podcasts and thought, oh, real estate. I mean, I know this sounds really might sound really crazy, but at the time I was like, oh yeah, that could be that could be a side hustle, that could be a business. So I wanted to give back in going back into that because I remember how difficult it was being a, a, having a business that wasn't quite seasoned enough to be able to qualify for a mortgage. Mm -hmm. And that was, it was devastating because I had everything available um, financially to be able to pursue that when I originally started to build my, um, to buy my house, the land and build my house. But the but banks, the banks were, did not want to give you the loan. No. I hear you. I've been and that it was really upsetting because uh, there, there's a lot of people that were in that position. So I happened to come across a couple of podcasts about um, lease to own purchasing and things like that. So that's the business I originally started in in 2019. That was going very well. I loved it. Um, and if you don't mind me asking, Candace, yeah. just because I've got a background in, in lease options, rent to own as well, mm -hmm. what kind of lease option deals were you doing? The, the kind I was doing were what we call tenant first. We'd find a tenant buyer, find them a house, buy it for them, lease option it to them. Or were you doing it the, the more traditional way, finding the property, getting it fixed up, then then selling it via rent own, which which 
Wages. The, the first, well, I kind of did both at the same time. I was searching yeah. for properties and searching for buyers. I found a property, got it under contract, and then immediately within probably about just paperwork wise, in two months, it was already under contract sold. Um, here on the Cape, the housing, that's one of the reasons why I ended up building my own home is that the, there was a housing crisis because, mm -hmm. you know, everyone got into the vacation rental world. Right. So homes that would normally be rentals to, to your rounders turned into um, vacation homes. And so was, yep. yeah. yeah. So we, so with that being said, I, I know that, you know, there's a workforce here that needs housing. There's also, um, you know, individuals like myself at the time with the seasoned business so I thought, let's do that. So that's what I did. Got a, a really wonderful home, um, leased it out, but and basically leased to own under contract with the intent for that buyer to to purchase that home in the right. meantime they're renting it. Yep. So yep. that was going well. But what I noticed is that I had more buyers than I did homes, for and sure. the ability to scale with that, it, there was just no way I could do that on my own. You know, I just and it really was bothering me that I had people calling me and asking me, you know, I know you sold that house, but do you have another one? Maybe mm -hmm. do you have anything in this area? And I just I was like, how could I possibly scale quicker? And I thought about doing uh, the uh, raising money to purchase more homes. But it it takes work to purchase a home as well with Lisa own because that's what I was doing at the time. Right. And I'm in the process of listening to podcasts. The ability to scale um, very rapidly was going into multifamily investing, and so I pivoted my um, my investments towards multifamily to therefore be able to serve those people that I have on a buyer's list, and that's my goal. So, so what's so you were doing the 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 rent to own business from 2019 until recently. How how long did you do that for? You know, I did, did that for about a year. I did okay. not not a full year, but um, I started immediately seeing the need to pivot in about six months after mm -hmm. acquiring that home. When okay. when I mean, I'm just with the the need for the individuals that really. So with with the pivot to multifamily, then it's not so much helping individuals get into. Uh, their own, you know, purchasing a home after a number of years. It's just basically being able to provide people with housing in a market that's become just overly saturated with super expensive vacation rentals. So now there's there's a lot less inventory of regular rentals available. Is that what I'm understanding? Well, you're understanding a little bit of both. Yeah. I'm actually, um, when you pivoting from one, from single family to multifamily, it's a whole, it, it's a whole different world. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot of doors over one roof for the most part, but yeah. the, the way that you're paid, it can, you can be paid five years after you acquire a building because you're buying these larger units as a team and as a group. And so are you, are you looking in your local areas that where you're, you're focusing on purchasing these properties? Uh, no, actually, more of the Southern Belt states and mm -hmm. in the Midwest. Um, the the properties that I'm looking to acquire required uh, a team uh, to purchase them. And so um, right now I'm in a deal in Houston, Texas, that is 134 units. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we're talking large property management, 
it's a whole it's a whole different world in a, which kind of brings me to two different areas that yeah. I stumbled upon one the need for housing with this type of purchase you know the the acquisition fees as a as a general partner which means it's like you get paid to find and take care of the property as it goes through the cycle for the um, limited partner investors, that money sometimes doesn't come at, come out of that property until the sale. And you also get to share in the sale, the sale of the property proceeds, mm-hmm. including so do the limited uh, partners. And in the process of doing this, obviously there's syndication involved, which is you know pooling together other people's money to in order to purchase a property, and um, and that's kind of where you came into into my life even though i don't know if you recall that you had a uh an eight it was like an eight hour course i took um through roger blankenship actually oh, i think yeah. you on his podcast and right. i took that course and if it wasn't for that course i gotta say dave i would have been kind of lost in this whole thing because oh, i i God. implemented as much as possible and uh and and was able to to raise the uh the capital to bring this deal to help bring this deal it wasn't just me alone i want to say that it's a team that was a syndication oh that's that's fascinating so so what did you well so so walk us through you've gone from single family homes now you've joined a team and you're buying multifamily properties or you're part of a team buying multifamily properties sounds like you're getting your first big one on the go is that correct is it it's yeah, still in process? that one's already that one's already purchased and, oh, and doing it's doing so, it. so walk walk us through that if you don't mind candace what because because it's fascinating because that's a huge leap right to go from a house to okay now we're syndicating so yeah. walk us through um if you kind of told us why you've done that but what was the process like for doing that so the process for that you really need to find a mentor that mm-hmm. has done this because there's so many moving parts. The 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 way that you acquire the property, the way that you you um the the paperwork, the the type of attorneys, everything is of a different. It's the same. Uh, it's under the same umbrella of real estate, but it's a whole different. It's a like different ball game. Whole different, it's like, do you want to swim in a pond? Or do you want to swim in the ocean? I mean, they're yeah. different currents. Everything is different. So, and you you really need to understand how to underwrite and look at these properties. The beautiful thing about multifamily is that you can force appreciation. You can't mm-hmm. do that with single family. Single yeah, family is based upon the value is based upon the last three months of sales um, comparables in the area. Whereas uh, multifamily, if you, it's based upon the income that the property produces is based upon, creates the value of mm-hmm. the property. So you could, renovate units you could add different things um i'll just use something simple like you could add a pool that increases the value of the property. why don't you just you talk about the one that you guys bought so what are you guys planning to do to because that's your focus right so what's, yes. what's the plan to so that one is exactly point? it's it's increasing in that particular area there is a demand for um the tech companies are really developing in there in, in in the Houston area. And so they need their different classes when it comes to multi, well, you could say that as well for a single family as well. There's class A, that's like your really high end um, yeah. more luxury housing, class B. Um, you guys are, but I think you guys are focusing on class C that you can- Class C. That class you guys C. can bring up. So with this specific deal, 
-hmm. What's the plan for increasing the value of the property? Well, we can we can um, renovate all of the units because they were outdated. So they're okay. they're actually under renovation right now. Nice. Um, and we renovate so many units uh, a a month, and then we re um, whether the previous tenants want to lease up, meaning move into a renovated unit, therefore paying more rent because you yeah. Know, it's, it's a, a nice unit, unit. Mm. or um, leasing it to to new tenants, right? And that's that's the strategy. And just basically, the whole property just needed to be renovated, and so that's the strategy for this one. And how many units are in this particular property? One hundred and thirty-four. Fantastic. And how much, as as one of the partners in the deal, how much capital were you responsible for raising for this property? Uh, myself and my team brought in two million. Nice. And um, the whole raise for this particular property was $6 million. Okay. All right. So that's a pretty significant chunk of change that you that you and your team brought to the, the table. Yes. So yeah. walk us through a little bit how that went for you and, and what some of the uh, the wins and challenges were of going through that first syndication capital raise for you, Candace. Sure, sure. So the, the, the biggest challenge for me was I was really surprised because I had been for about eight months in a mentorship program. And so I had familiarized myself, obviously, with everything around multifamily and um, how just everyday people can invest in these type of uh, private equity opportunities. Yeah. Well, I had assumed that everybody knew about multifamily. I don't know why, but I did. So when I approached people that I thought would be interested they weren't. So I didn't approach appropriately. Mm -hmm. I should have educated first because as you as you talk to people about, you know, investing in in real estate and um you know, ventures, you have it's not you just don't go to them and say, "Hey, give me your money." You have to create a relationship. I, I learned that the hard way too. <laughs> yes. I had hey, the relationship. Steve, I got the deals. Have you got the dough? It doesn't go over very well. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, that's like just because you have the deal does not mean the money comes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, so, so what did, what did you pivot to that started working well for you, Candace? Because it sounds like you had success. You did raise capital. Yes. You're part of a team that raised two million bucks. That's significant. So, how did that look for you? I ended up, I saw, okay, I, I need to educate the people that I thought I would be going to. So I had to completely pivot and start reaching out and networking with people that have already invested in multifamily. So I didn't have to educate. And that's how I did it. Nice. So LinkedIn is a very strong tool for something like that. And using the social media and the beautiful thing, because where I live is such a lovely place, but it's very isolating. There is no multifamily here, um, is to to attend meetups. And so I would attend meetups and um, and connect with people outside, you know, because I always have like little breakout rooms where you meet people or you exchange your information in the chat. So multifamily real estate meetups and then following up. So it's it was like it was like a full time job. Oh, I'm sure it was. And for this particular raise, did you have to focus on accredited investors or were you able to bring in people with uh, that didn't have that accreditation? What, what did it look like for this particular deal? 
for this particular deal, it was accredited investors. Mm -hmm. So that was that was also a very interesting process as well, because accredited investors already are familiar with this. So they really know the numbers and they can ask you questions very quickly to see whether you know what you're talking about. Yeah, because they know the ins and outs and the right questions to ask for the most part. So at first I was a little intimidated because I'd imagine. never been asked questions like that. Um but I was able to answer them because I understood and I also do the underwriting for for looking at the property. So I understood, but it's very it can be intimidating at times. <laughs> I would imagine because, again, this is your first big multifamily type deal. Yeah. It's a big difference going from book learning, book smarts. You know, the mentorship is is great because that way you got direct access to the guys yeah. and gals that, that know what they're talking about. But yeah, when you're on that call or you're on that chat with that prospective investor and they hit you with a zinger, you got to be able to answer pretty quickly. Yes. Yes. You do. You got to be spot on or, and the biggest transparency is the the most important. It's the most important in any type of business relationship. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't know the answer, I would say, I don't know, but I will get back to you with on that and follow up on that as well. Yeah. Um, and, and everyone was okay with that. Perfect. No, that, and then, then you did follow up. That's the, absolutely. <laughs> so what was like the minimum amount that any one investor could invest in this particular property? What was your minimum? Uh, $50,000. $50,000. All right. So bottom line is you, you took a crack. It sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you took a crack at, at running this by your friends and family members you quickly realized that uh, that didn't work very well because you're just kind of like I did back in the day, rushed in and and tried to pitch the deal and didn't warm them up and didn't get them educated. So, so then instead of quitting, hats off to you, you, you found a different way and decided, Hey, why don't I go after people who already get it, who already understand this yes, and go directly that route and just really try to find a credit investor. So, LinkedIn sounds like it worked well. Being part of some of these other groups sounds like it it, it worked well. But I would imagine that was a ton of work. So kind of walk me through how did that look for you? Is you know, now that you've gone through all of that that process, what are you going to be doing differently next time? It was a lot of work. It was more than what I thought. I thought that I was going to be able to, and I, I, in hindsight's 2020, I thought I was going to be able to be on my headset while I'm landscaping and chatting away with people. Oh no, you have to, you have to do a presentation. You have to sit down like we're doing right now on a Zoom call for the most part and presenting, unless you've got a, an ongoing relationship, can you just shoot an email over and say, oh, I have this deal. Do you want to take a look at it? Here's the information, get back to me. Um, as I move forward, I can do that now with, with quite a few of my investors. But as far as this, when introducing something new, you have to take that time. You also have to make people feel important and that they're important enough that you respect them because they're willing to take their money, their hard, hard-earned money, and put it in, a, in in your hands that you're responsible for. So you yeah. need to be able to make that time. So oh, it most was, definitely. That was hard. <laughs> that was hard. So now, now that you've gone through that experience and you stuck with it and, and you made it work, 
what, if anything, are you going to do differently for your next raise, for your next syndication? Well, I've already started having a, um, you know, a CRM, which is the software that has all my contacts in it Mm -hmm. and sending, you know, the, the emails out, just giving them a brief um, little market updates, simple things like that. The one thing for myself is that everybody does that so much that I feel like my email, I get over probably over a thousand emails a day that I just, it's too much. So it's I do more a little bit more of a light touch, but I have more of an interactive, um, actually hands-on, just touching base, whether it be a very personalized quick email, hope you're doing well, or meet up on a call with someone or text or something like that. Mm-hmm. But the main way that I'm starting to and I'm pivoting um is that um I decided that and it's been an I a year in the making is also having a podcast to help get um, myself out there and also to educate people that everyday people can invest in deals like this. Uh, you don't know about them because you you do have to have uh, a pre-existing relationship unless you're an accredited investor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that you can advertise, you know. Well, so, okay. But for the deals that you're going to be doing, are you able to bring in friends and family as well, who are not accredited investors typically? Yes. Well, okay. it, well, we, there's a way that you can do it now. There's the, the, the government abbreviations is a 506 B that's one. Buddy. Is... <laughs> your buddies. Yep. <laughs> yeah. For buddies. But then, you know, and that one you're sophisticated, meaning you just understand and have a relationship with the individual you're going to be investing with. Yeah. Um, and then there's 506C, which is for accredited, and then that one you can advertise. So what you can do is you can start your syndication off as a 506B. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain date, and that date is a solid cutoff, the government states that, it's a law. Mm-hmm. When that happens, then it can roll into a 506C. Um, during that time, if it's a 506B and you're accredited, you can still invest. It's just um, that opportunity window closes, and we'd like to do that in the beginning yeah, for um, for sophisticated investors. Well, I love I love I love what you're doing with that, Candace. So, out of that initial experience, and all of the people you you talked with and did presentations for, and all that kind of stuff, uh, like le- like a legitimate list, like how many legitimate connections do you think you made through that? Uh, that process. I have about 400. 400. So that those aren't just, those are people that know who Candace is, correct? That, yes. Those are people that, that if I send them an email, they'll know who I am. They'll, they'll yeah. know. You. Okay. Well, that's a great list to start with. And out of that list, more or less, how many of those people actually uh, became investors in this first deal with you? Uh, I have about maybe 10 or 15. Okay. Well, that's a really good start. All right. So that's, you got a list of 400, you got 10 or 15 that are active investors in this first deal that that you've done. They put up the minimum 50 grand. Mm -hmm. You're off to a really, really good start. And I get it when you're you're saying, you know, you get a thousand emails a day coming into your inbox. It, It is, it can be overwhelming. That's for sure. So I do agree with you. I think the idea of keeping it light and then shaking it up a little bit as well. So kind of that that's why we we talk about what works really well for a lot of our clients is what I call edutaining communication, right? So it's a little bit, even for your credit investors that get it, they probably don't want to read a bunch of data 
in an email. Now, who, who the hell, you know, unless they're super analytical and they, most people aren't. So if there, if there's a way for you to inject your personality into these communications and it's kind of tied around that and mm-hmm. oh, by the way, the real estate side of things, I think that's, that's going to do you in good stead. And I think, you know, video is, is a wonderful way to go for you, for you to consider at least with, because uh, it's, it's working so well. So for so many of our clients doing short little video logs on a pretty regular basis. So if they, you know, if everybody else is doing newsletters, well, that's boring as hell. But if a Candace is doing her little weekly video and, you know, talking a little bit about real estate, but also in, in interjecting some of the fun stuff that you do on the side, that's, I think that's where the magic really lies for you, Candace. I will tell you, I agree with you 100%. I haven't gotten to that point yet. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that when I, the investors that I have that I at a point now where I can just send them an email and say, this is the opportunity that we have available. Um, I've, I, when we, I get on a call with them, we're not talking anything about real estate. We're catching up on everything else. Yeah. We're talking about whatever common interest we have first, because that's where the bond yeah. has created. It's about mm-hmm. human connection. It's not about the money. And when you feel comfortable because with Because they someone, got a gazillion different op- opportunities they can invest in, especially these accredited investors, right? They got deals coming across their, their inbox day yeah. in, day out. That's not it. It's like, who do they want to do business with is, is really what that ties into. So hats off to you for, yeah. for getting, I think you're, you're well positioned now. And then what, what are you, what's your philosophy around the whole, which comes first, the money or the deal type thing? Now that you've gone through that, that experience, I understand that you do have a, a fairly long time span to, to raise the, the money, but are you doing anything towards, you know, trying to get investors soft commitments from people ahead of time, expressions of interest, letters of intent, that sort of thing. What What are your thoughts around that, Candace? I, I feel that, well, you have to have both, but I think what's most important is to have the investors lined up so that when the opportunity comes, it's much easier to talk about money and, and would you be interested and to ask and get, you, sometimes you have to ask, what is your net worth? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how much are you willing to invest? Pretty far, you know, so you can kind of see where you can go with a particular deal. And it's, you have to have the money in order to, to close on the deal. It's easier when there's no pressure. You don't, there's no pressure coming from my side. Not that I would ever pressure anyone to ever yeah. invest in a deal, but it's just easier for everyone when there's just no pressure involved. Yeah. So I would say the money needs to come first. Yeah. Um, or at least and, the interest, right? So yes, not yes. necessarily they've cut you a check for 50 grand, but at least oh, they've, never. Yeah. They've, they've shown some serious interest. And ideally, even if it's not legally binding, they've signed off on something, right? That, that, that gives you a lot more confidence that they're going to come through. Yeah, like you have, like there's an investor portal that they can they can actually go into and they can look if I have a deal. It's like, oh, you can look in the portal. We have a deal, um, you know, on the portal now. Yeah. So most definitely, you know, and to bring it all the way back around to Dave about like, so I went from one having this buyer's list. My my goal is, is once once I'm able to get um, the money from these deals to a certain level, the multifamily deals is to be able to go back and buy these 
just buy these single family homes and basically become become the bank. I I have one home right now that I'm um holding the note for and that is going very well and I'm so happy that these people they would never in a million years be able to have a um the to, the banks just wouldn't they wouldn't even look at them. They wouldn't even they would wouldn't even allow them to fill an application out. And they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're doing everything they can and they're paying on time and it's fantastic to just see wow, everybody can do this. It's just, you have to think outside the box sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to suggest you don't have to wait. I'm going to suggest now that you've kind of got things in motion as as much as you have, if you can show a, a really good single family home opportunity to mm -hmm. an investor, there's a good chance there's as much bang for their buck in that or better than putting their 50 grand into a syndication. Um, that's true. That's, I'm, I'm you know, that's gonna, a good point. I'm just going to tickle your, your brain with that idea. Cause I don't, if that's what you're passionate about, mm -hmm. you don't have to build up your own huge war chest of, of money to go and do that all by your lonesome. You can partner up with some of these people that you've already created that relationship with and do it together. So you can do that's both. That's very true. I know it's, you know, I still, because I've been such a lone ranger and going into multifamily was, is uh, breaking that old worn groove, you know, that pattern. And well, you've been uh, now that you you've say been doing that, it's like, thing. yeah, I don't house. Do yeah, you're a yeah. very independent kind of person. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's very true. Thank you, Dave, for pointing that out. Because it, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Why can I not be a team here? And why can't I just pivot and also have a team here? Yeah. On both yeah. sides. It sounds like, because that's where I hear the passion coming through. Is, oh, yes. I, it, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and and the other thing is you've got proof of concept. You've got one on the go. It's working well. You can do the exact same idea as what you did to to show people the multifamily. Hey, the, here's the team. Here's some of the other deals that, that we've done in the past. Here's, here's this one. So the same idea works just as well there. So that that is exciting stuff. Awesome, Candice. Time flies when we're having fun. So if people want to connect with you and find out more, what and and well, well, before we wrap up, just out of curiosity, you're, you're starting this new podcast. What is the plan for the podcast? The plan for the podcast is to actually, it's an, it, basically, it's educating people that are not familiar with multifamily and just showing that everyday people can live extraordinary lives and bring around the getting closer and closer to the financial freedom date and with the investment opportunities that you can actually come across with multifamily. So, so are, are you going to be targeting, I mean, for your own, uh, your own purposes with the podcast, is the idea to be attracting accredited investors for your syndication deals in the future? Is, is that the idea behind it? It's it's too uh, well accredited investors probably most of them may be familiar maybe not actually I think about it with some of the people that I've contacted before uh, it's it's to to allow it doesn't have to you don't have to be accredited it could be anyone someone oh. brand new coming in someone that is familiar but just wants a little bit more information uh, it's it's actually for uh, for women. Uh, that we all are part of the same um, mentorship program and it's called the real estate women of multifamily. And, nice. and the beautiful thing about this particular podcast is that we all have different avatars. You know, mine is, is, you know, 
being, you know, in the hardworking class and never feeling like you could ever get to the point of thinking about retirement. Like, mm. is it really in the picture? What does that mean? And also the, eth- you know, the whole culture, in which I grew up of farming is about you work until you die. <laughs> so yeah. that's no fun. So that's kind of like my projection is like, wow, you know, I can move forward financially and see and look and and actually see a date in mind without being dependent upon others. I can I can do some make some decisions myself. Oh, that's and wonderful. then the others have their theirs and their particular fields. One is a mom that has, you know, kids. The other one is a, a busy professional. The other one is a real estate agent um or broker rather we, and we all come at it from different angles a little bit we all come at it at different angles but with the same purpose of educating and allowing people to make really wonderful choices to to make their lives better for themselves and leave a legacy for their families all right so if people want to find out more and and listen to the podcast what should they do they should go to the realestatewomen.com that's uh we have our website it's uh going to be opening up really really soon like in the next few days um, but they can also reach out to me um, at Candace at roofbound.com or they can reach out to because the email does work for the real estate women is us at the real estate women.com. Very and good. Candace, great. thanks very much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Dave. This has been a pleasure. And right, I hope we inspired somebody to do something a little bit uh, out of the norm and take a little bit of a risk. I think you have. All right, everybody, take care, and we will talk to you on the next episode. Thank you. Bye, everyone.